This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Craft and Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, Food for the Hungry, and the Ascent Leader, I bring you our 50th episode. Last years, we've been meeting every other week, talking about how to get better, but all in the kind of leader, pastors, shepherds, where our character leads the way. But today, I want to do something different. Uh, because it's 50 episodes, it's got me a little bit reflective. I mean, this whole idea came out of one of the darkest and hardest seasons of my life. This, this concept, I found myself doing a life plan through the Patterson Center. And what became really evident and apparent is how I love the art and craft of communication, but more than just loving the preparing of messages, what I really, really loved was the coaching. I don't know if it's because uh, growing up playing hoops or in college, uh, not really playing, sitting on the bench, but getting free shoes. I, I don't know if what it is about it, but I love the kinds of conversations that we get to have on this podcast. And in the darkest, hardest season, something beautiful seemed to rise up from the ashes. And one of those beautiful parts has been this community, this amazing crew of thousands of you who tune in every other week. And so I just, I just really wanted to just stop and say, thank you. I don't feel like I say that enough. Thank you. Um, this has been an absolute treat for me. Uh, but more than anything, it's been so f- amazing to get to know many of you. Uh, through a cohort, through a conversation, if I come to your city or uh, just through coaching or just through interacting on social media. And I'm excited because uh, to kind of honor this little moment of 50 episodes, we're going to do an epic giveaway. Uh, And it's going to give away 50 books, 50 books, many of them who are guests on the podcast over the last couple of years. Um, Not everyone's written a book and that's fine, but I want to do my very best at trying to provide one person with an insane library of books uh, from pastors and preachers who I just absolutely adore and respect and some counselors and scholars as well. And so all you need to do, all you need to do, You'll see a post uh, that drops today um, about this giveaway. You just need to go and follow at Craft and Character, uh, at Steve Ryan Carter, and at Preaching Today, uh, and you'll see some instructions there. But uh, one winner, one winner, we're gonna we're gonna be able to hook them up with a with a little library of some incredible incredible books. I- I'm excited because we've got some amazing guests coming up. Uh, Max Licato, uh in September, also Dr. Allison Cook. Uh, she's an amazing therapist. Uh, I'm, I'm reading her book that's about to come out in September and it's unbelievable. So I'm so excited um, 
just for where this whole craft and character conversation uh, continues to go. Uh, my, my work with preaching today, we, we've got some ideas that we're cooking up. I just can't wait to share with you more. But today is going to be a little different. Usually I, I introduce you to a communicator. And if you know the communicator, I've been listening to them on a podcast and I give you a sense of their sound, what they sound like when they preach. And then we dive into a little bit around the craft of their preparation or something that I think they uniquely do or bring to the preaching kind of conversation that it makes me curious. It gets me asking a ton of questions. Then we always end with character. Since the 50th episode and since um, I have a little creative license with this, I wanted to talk about something that's been swirling within. And I got to give credit where credit is due. This podcast episode is titled The Required Humility. And it came out of a conversation I was having with Nancy Beach, the legend. She's one of our, our coaches for the Ascent Leader. Um, she, she coaches our preachers. She's amazing. But, but we were talking and, and she and I, we, we preach regularly. And we were talking with a group of other people and not every one of them preach. The majority of them don't. They're, they love the church. They serve the church. But the, the thing that kept coming up was why preachers seem to not want to be developed more in their communication gift. And, and we were trying to ponder this question because right now it's, it's great to grow in your leadership. That, that seems to be something for pastors that I got to get better as a leader. You know, there, there's different quotes, you know, um, everybody wins when a leader gets better. You know, there's all these phrases and lines but somehow, and for some reason, and I haven't been able to put my finger on the real, actual reason for some reason, preachers want to get better at leaders, but often we don't want to get better at preaching. Like, I mean, really, where we open our preparation, we open up our preaching we open up our study. We open up our notes. We, we give someone permission to help us get better. And very rarely, very rarely do I ever find someone who's not green or not in their 20s or not in their 30s who is still working and pushing to maximize their craft. And Nancy, in the middle of this conversation, she says, the humility required for a pastor to get better. And then she kept going. She rattled off some thoughts and then she flipped those two words around and she said, the required humility for every preacher and I'll tell you, I, those two words just hit my soul. I don't know if you ever had that. I, I had this happen in one of our, the Ascent Leader cohorts. We were with a bunch of preachers and, and one pastor just said the phrase settled trust. And I was like, wow, that, that, that can preach. You know, you, you hear like a phrase and you're like, that, that's something I want to embody. 
It's the exact same thing happened when Nancy said the humility required in a few sentences later, the required humility. And so that's what I want to talk about because this whole, this whole crafting around a text that literally preaches that same message, the humility required, the required humility. Remember Paul, when he's speaking to his young spiritual son, Timothy, he says in 1 Timothy 4, verses 13 on, until I come, Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Like focus in on what you were made to do. And then verse 14, do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Devote and do not neglect your gift. This gift. And then verse 15, be diligent. So devote, do not neglect. Now be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Honest question. How well are you at devoting yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching? I know we have people who listen all over the world. I know we have people who are bivocational. I know we have people here who are earnestly in college or in seminary that are wanting to become a pastor or preacher. I know we have people who are listening in amazingly healthy and flourishing churches. I know we have people listening as they step into an interim role. I know we have people listening at all sizes of churches and ministries, but that's not the question. The question is this, your calling. You're gifting. How devoted are you to it? Not just to receiving the gift, but I love what the passage says. The scripture says, not just to receiving the gift of preaching and teaching, but to not neglecting it. It's as if you choosing not to neglect your gift is confirmation to how devoted you are to the actual gift. And for some apparent reason, many of us, we have received the gift and we have all of this raw locked up potential when it comes to preaching within us. We've just not found a way to maximize it. And then we turn on Instagram or we get online and we watch one of our favorite preachers and they make it look really easy. And we don't see their prep. We don't see the permission they've granted. We don't see the required humility behind the scenes. We see the finished product and, and inside us, it can get to a place of comparison. Man, I should be there. Why can't, why can't I make it that easy? And then you find yourself in a back room one day or in an email exchange 
with this pastor and you hear how they are choosing not to neglect their gift. You hear the people that they've invited. You hear the coaching that they have. You hear the intentionality. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that it's not just you neglecting your gift. I love how Paul just is so deliberate with his language that he says, devote, do not neglect. Third, be diligent. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself fully to them. Open yourself up to maximizing this gift. Because if you do this, you're not just saving yourself, you're saving others. If you understand healthy doctrine and you've opened yourself up to others who can speak in and, and, and ask good questions and help you discern how to communicate in a way that helps people embody a life like you don't just get better your congregations look way more like jesus so so i go back to the question what prevents you what prevents you from being fully devoted to this gift now you could say very practically resources i i i don't have the resources i don't have the time I don't, I don't, I don't have the time. I I don't actually know how. I I don't know if somebody will help me. You don't know the plan. I don't, I don't have that. And, And here's, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Is Nancy Beach is 100% right. But there's a humility required to being the fullest, expression of who God made you to be as preacher and teacher. There's a humility required to embody. And one of the, one of the aspects I realized more than ever, and if you've, if you've ever read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, it's a whole book on creativity, but the whole premise of the book is that every professional and he, and he kind of basically compares and contrasts professionals and amateurs. He says that the, the, the main difference between a professional and an amateur is that a professional doesn't run away from resistance. A professional does not make excuses. A professional consistently shows up and sees the obstacle, sees the resistance sees the adversity, but sees that there's a greater opportunity in front of them that is far greater than the fear of failure, that's far more powerful than the resistance or obstacle at hand, the opportunity, the possibility, what God might, they somehow have this way to walk through it. And here's the piece. I think for many of us preachers, we feel this pressure like uh, it's, it's okay to like need help as a leader. I don't know if, if I went to my 
bored and said, hey, I want to get better as a preacher, it feels really vulnerable. That's the humility required. It feels very, very easy and a little kosher to be able to say, hey, I think I need to get better as an organization builder of ministries. Can I go to this conference? Can I, can I meet with this executive coach? And no shade on that. You, you should. Those are, there's some amazing organizations. But why is it so easy to devote myself to some organizational leadership piece when you've been gifted as a preacher and communicator than to raise our hand and say, I need help getting 5% better. Like, can you just imagine if your ability to apply what you had preached got 5% better or people actually could walk away going, gosh, I know what to do. Can you imagine if your ability to make difficult doctrine wildly accessible, what that might prevent someone in your congregation from going off the rails? Can you imagine if your storytelling got better where you just had people leaning in for 25, 30, 30 plus minutes? I mean, what would that do in the congregation? But, but there's something, there's something within that's like, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if I, if I, if I could say that. I, and I get it. I get it because, you know, there are these moments when my wife will ask me, hey, what are you preaching on this weekend? I just had this happen recently and I, I, I try to make sense of it. I was like, you know, I'm teaching on Jonah chapter four. And Jonah chapter four, it, it begins in verse one. And Jonah is really, really angry. And in Hebrew, it's the word gadal, yara. It means exceedingly displeased. And, and I just feel that for many of us, we don't know what to do when we are gadal, yara. And so we find ourselves running to escape or we're frustrated because God is acting in a way that's wildly different from how we perceive or believe he should act and move. And I start riffing for a few minutes and, and, I, and I, I then ask the question, so, so what, do, what do you think? And she's like, I think you've spent you know, 15, 20 hours living in a text for the last few months and I'm just hearing it for the first time and it, it doesn't fully make sense. <laughs> so I, I have this moment where I'm like, I'm paid to communicate and now I'm feeling a little gadal, Yara, like exceedingly displeased at my communication gift. Like I should be able to do this. And yet, of course, of course, I've not mastered the art of preaching. Of course, this craft of being able to deliver a message and embody what the Lord has shown and taught through scholars and, and exegesis and understanding the ache and good desires and strongholds within a community, all of that, yes, and learning how to like dial that in and flesh that out. Man, 
It takes time. It takes work. It takes looking at the resistance and, and saying, yeah, but the opportunity, the possibility, the potential. And you have to like recommit. I'm going to devote myself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And I, I'm not going to neglect this gift. I'm actually going to lean in. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to not just neglect it. I'm going to, I'm going to be wildly diligent. Like I, 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 I'm not just neglecting it. I'm, I'm being so activistic in my own personal development of the gift that God has entrusted to me that I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give myself fully or wholly to this because I want in my 30s, I want in my 40s, I want for me personally when I enter into my 50s or 60s, I want people to come up after I preach and they fulfill what Paul tells Timothy, that people will see my progress as a preacher, as a human, as a pastor, as a disciple, and that my ability to tell a story or to make a point or to transition or to, to kind of give a challenge or give an invitation or give clear opportunities for people to apply what they've learned or practices to embody throughout the week or to build out the vision of where we sense God is taking our church. I, I want to grow. So how do you do it? How do we be the people who don't just kind of drift towards it's okay to grow as a leader, but you have to only, only focus on you and your development by yourself as a communicator. Get help when it comes to leading organizationally, but, but it's too vulnerable to ask for help when it comes to preaching. How do we, how do we fight through that resistance? And actually look in these next couple of years and say, I want to get better. 5% better, 10% better, 15% better, 25% better. I am a wildly better communicator today than I was three years ago. And some of you who've listened to me three years ago, you were like, yeah, you are. You really, really are. And I remember, I know, I know. I remember when I played basketball and we had a little hoop in my driveway and I was out there. I was, I was out there. My neighbors, man, I'm sorry. The Ferreras and the, the Milans, I mean, they, they just heard a bouncing basketball and a clanking rim because I shot every day. But you know what was wild is nobody ever came out and watched me practice. <laughs> and I'll never forget my, one of my first preaching my guts out. And I realized, well, there's a couple thousand people in this room. And I don't have in Malcolm Gladwell language 10,000 hours. Like this is like my, my third sermon ever. And somebody's entrusted me to share a thought and an idea. And I'm like finding my voice as I do this in front of actual people. And it was so humbling at moments, humiliating. Oh. 
at moments just allowed me to have a dependency and a hunger to grow. And so here's, here's what I just want to ask you. I want to ask you the same question. Do you have the required humility that a preacher must have? That Paul's really instructing Timothy to devote, to not neglect, to be diligent, to give yourself fully to this craft. Do you have that? Or is this something that it's too vulnerable? It's too wrong. It's too real. I sat with a bunch of people who aren't regular preachers and they, they were making some assumptions and no shade on them. It was helpful. It was helpful to hear. But they were like, pastors don't want to get better at preaching. And I was like, yes, they do. And they're like, no, 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 no. There's something that prevents them. Something that prevents them. And I could see what they're saying. But as people who don't often preach, I was like, I don't think you fully know. I don't think you fully get but I do think that they were right, that there is an obstacle, there is a resistance that most preachers are unwilling to fight through. Because again, when a leadership crisis comes or something is happening at the church, oftentimes where we steal time is either in Sabbath or sermon prep. That's where we steal our time, which is unfortunate because then our sermons aren't that great. And the momentum often in our churches uh, begins to kind of lose a little something, something. And it just, it, it, it loses that mojo. Now, hear me say this. I, I have a, a high regard for the craft of communication and preaching. I don't think it's everything. I think it's a big deal. I don't think it's the only deal. I think it's a part of what makes a healthy and flourishing church. I don't think it's everything. So, so hear me say that. I understand. But as someone who has been entrusted and gifted of all the 7 billion people that have walked this planet, there is a few of us who have been entrusted with the gift to preach, to teach. Now, hear me say, everyone should share their story 100%. Everyone should be able to talk about their faith on 100% but there is a difference. There's a difference between having to get up most Sundays, most weekends and deliver a word. And so my question is, do you have the required humility to maximize your gift? And, and I really want to force us, to force us to really wrestle, not just with answering that question, I want to even just push it just a little farther because what separates the amateur from the professional is that the professional consistently shows up. It's consistency. It's consistency. It's they're consistently or in Paul's language, they are diligent in their development. They are devoted. Now I'm getting fired up. Now I'm getting fired up. 
And there's been seasons when I've been inconsistent. There's been seasons when I've been profoundly insecure. There's been seasons where I just rode the coattails of potential. There's been seasons where I've had more ego than the required humility. But all of the greats that I've been around, the great communicators, the great preachers, and they were devoted. They were diligent. They were consistent. They showed up to study. They, they, they opened themselves up. They, they had this ability to give somebody else that they respected, a peer, a mentor, a professor, a scholar, permission to speak in, to ask questions, to get curious. So what I want to leave you with are the three consistencies that are needed if you are going to have the humility required as a preacher. You take away one of these, eh, you, might have some, you might have some humility for sure as a preacher, but, but I believe if you, if you, if you commit yourself to these three consistencies, it will showcase how you embody the humility required to be a preacher, number one, is you got to have consistent development. You got to have consistent development. Can I tell you my greatest fear? My greatest fear as a communicator, it's not prep preaching bad doctrine. That's a fear. It's not my greatest fear. It's not like stumbling over a word or not getting a sentence right. That's a fear. It's not my greatest fear. It's not even doing something that goes viral for a terrible reason because I, I had a slip up of words. I, it's sometimes in the back of my brain, but it's not my greatest fear. Greatest fear as a communicator is that I don't grow and that I plateau. That I just found my sound and that I don't keep growing and maximizing the gift that God's given to me. I don't know about you, but what does the consistent development look like for you? I mean, there's amazing, amazing courses out there. I mean, John Mark Homer, John Tyson, Jefferson Bethke, they came together. They created something called the Art of Teaching. Erwin McManus dropped a, um, a video series called The Art of Communication. Jarrett Stevens just dropped one. He's a pastor in Soul City in Chicago. He just dropped one last week. I mean, the, the, you don't need to go to a conference. You, you, you just got to have a plan to consistently be developed. It, it might be you want to develop your storytelling. And so you're listening to a podcast on the regular to get better. Or maybe you want to get better at your humor because you just kind of, you just kind of just 
I don't know, stay at a certain tone and you don't know how to lift or, or move people through humor, maybe, maybe your consistent development for this quarter or this year is taking an improv class and failing or just going in and to an open mic night and, and working on some jokes and bombing. Like, I don't know what your consistent development is. I mean, with preaching today, I love it. I mean, I, I subscribe to preaching today because they have all these articles. It's just a consistent development around my soul, around my character. But they got exegesis on there. They got they got articles on there. Uh, consistent development where I'm trying every year. I'll, I'll buy one of these video series and I'll just I'll just watch. But you got to have a plan if you're going to be devoted. And you're not going to neglect your gift and you're going to be diligent in these matters and give yourself fully to them. You have to be consistent with your development. Do you have that? What I love about going to my gym in Chicagoland is my my trainer, my coach, he he just has a book. I I don't even have to think about it. He just tells me what I need to do. But after working on it, doing these stretches and doing these cardio and doing this agility and doing these exercises, you begin to see the muscle that's grown. And I just go, maybe for some of you, the next best right step is setting aside some resources, time and money to look at your craft and go, where do I need to develop? And then consistently show up. And what's required of that? Humility. Because you have to be able to honestly look at your game and say, this is, this is where I need to develop. I need to get better at transitions. I need to get better because I can have a little bit of ADD and I love to feed off the I need to get better at not spending so much time in a point that I have just kind of just circling the runway on this one point. I mean, I can, I can say the phrase gadal yara multiple times because it's just fun to say, but, but I think sometimes the consistent development is, Hey, you already said it, trust it, trust it, move forward to the next point. You need that consistent development, but sometimes we don't know how to do it. And so looking at some experts. Maybe you have a mentor. Maybe you have a mentor. Now, maybe, maybe the consistent development is getting into a room with other preachers and pastors. That's why we, I love these cohorts that we do because these cohorts are opportunities for you to be developed. We introduce you to three mentors um, that are insanely gifted at the craft and character. They, they want to help you as lead pastors. They want to help you as emerging voices maximize. And you've got a coach that walks with you. And these groups are no more than nine people. And so you're chopping it up, learning from other emerging voices or other lead pastors who are wanting to see you be the fullest expression of who God made you to be. So maybe that's your next step. But the required humility to maximize your gift you need consistent development. Do you have that? Because it's hard pressed for me to hear someone say, oh, I'm totally devoted to my gift. Yeah, I'm not neglecting it. I'm diligent. And I'm like, tell me your development plan. Well, I'm growing as a leader. No, 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 no. As a preacher. As a preacher. You, you as a preacher, you have the 
privilege to get up and preach week after week. I mean, you've probably had moments where you sat and you remember as a kid listening and you're like, man, I wish this guy would have gotten better. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to fast forward 10, 15 years and, and some other 19-year-old or 25-year-old or 30-year-olds just wishing the same thing for you. And you, you want your congregation, young and old, sixth grader to scholar leaning in going, man, this guy's just, this woman, this man, they're just getting better. It's better. I can't, I can't, I don't want to miss a week because what they bring, what they have to say, man, they're taking this seriously. Consistent development. Do you have it? Number two, do you have consistent coaching? Consistent coaching. Again, I, I come from, from a basketball background. I come from having coaches. I come from having people who can just, uh, Ask me hard questions. I mean, really, really hard questions. Uh, can help me really break down, not just learning about development, but then actually coach me into how to develop, how to put what I've learned into practice. That's one thing you can learn to tell a joke, but, but do I know how to tell the joke at the right time and the, with the right tone? Or know how to make a point, but, but do I know how to kind of stretch that point, to challenge that point, to inspire that point? Do I know how to not just be clever or be clear, but how with my communication to be both clever and clear? And I'll tell you what, man, when you have a coach who's not trying to get you to sound like them, but a coach who understands your unique sound, your preaching gift. We don't need another Tim Keller. We already got one. You know, we, 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 we don't need another Rich Velotas. We already got one. We don't need another, you know, Christine Kane. We got one. Oh, we, we need you, but some coach has got to be able to say, oh, I see. I see the possibility, the potential. I hear the sound. I'm going to work to help you take that consistent development and actually add that to your game. Any you consistent development, you need consistent coaching. Do you have that? For a whole year, I used to meet with Ken Davis, who's a comedian, he's a speaking coach. And one of the, the greatest gifts that Ken taught me was eye contact. Ken, Ken would just stop my teachings and just say, okay, okay, I want you to say that. And I want you to look at me and look me square in the eye and do not break the moment. It's vulnerable. We're making eye to eye contact. I want you to say it to me. And I want you to pastor me. I want you to challenge me. I want you to inspire me. I want you to say this word from scripture over me. But man, your eyes, you're like a karaoke ball that just bounces from one part of the room to the next part of the room to the next part of the room. It's like you don't even want to look at the people that you're preaching to. And, and his coaching was phenomenal. Do you have that kind of coach? 
culture doctrine. When I was a junior high pastor, I would drive from Grand Rapids to Chicago and I'd go to an old Italian restaurant a few times and I would, I would bring my, my year's junior high messages to Scott McKnight. And Scott McKnight would just tell me where I was heretical. <laughs> Scott McKnight would just tell me, oh, here, here's, 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 here's where I think you're missing it or here's what I think could be helpful. Or what were you thinking here? And I didn't even know him, but I just, I just sent him an email and, and he, he said yes twice and I took him up on it. Paid for a meal and I paid for a drive to, from Grand Rapids to the city. I mean, I, I don't know very many preachers who, and, and professors and mentors who if you came and showcased the required humility and you're like, I, I just am longing for some consistent coaching, would you be open to it? Um, I'm coaching eight people right now. That's basically all I can do in, 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 a, in a run. But like, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Because these, these eight women and men, I mean, just so much, so much there. Some of them so much better than me. One of the people, one of the people's in his 60s, in his 60s. And it, it, it's like, it's like an, an old dog who's like, I need new tricks. I need new tricks. Like this, this guy, just, man, I want to be like that. I want to be like that in my 60s, showcasing the required humility. Do you have consistent development? Where are you turning to? What are you turning to? Preaching today, uh, cohorts to the Ascent Leader or other cohorts through other organizations, preaching curriculum, maybe furthering your education. What's the consistent development that you are showcasing? Uh, what's the consistent coaching? Who are you given permission to help you, to help you take what you're learning and, and applying it? And then here's the third one. Here's the third one, consistent feedback. Because sometimes we have coaches who are really good at encouraging and they'll be like, oh, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. And that's important. But I, I really think what's even stronger is when you have the kind of coaches who can break down game tape. They can watch like what I mentioned with Ken Davis in my eye contact. What I love to do with these eight communicators is watch their messages and, and give them some real feedback. Sheila Heen, I'll teach you a little thing Sheila Heen taught me. Uh, she's, she's an amazing author and uh, I believe she teaches at Harvard, but she talks about feedback and this is the breakdown in, in feedback often is because you have a person who is giving feedback and a person who is receiving feedback and they want two different things. See, the person giving feedback um, often is, is wanting to share something and the person receiving feedback is wanting to receive something obvious. It's captain obvious right there, but here, here's what I'm saying. Sheila Heen has this acronym. It's called ACE and the A is for affirm. The C is coaching and the E is evaluation. Now the affirm, she says, what's, what's problematic about feedback and why it's so difficult in organizations, church, secular business, wherever is because usually the person receiving, giving the feedback only does one of the three, A, affirm, C, coach, E, evaluate. 
And often the person receiving is longing for one of the three, A, affirm, C, coaching, E, evaluate. And often, most often, she would say, is that the person who is delivering the feedback, let's say, wants to give an evaluation, but the person receiving it is longing for affirmation. And so there's a miss. The person can't hear it. They get defensive and it just gets awkward. Or the person is giving affirmation and the person receiving it wants coaching. They want to get better. But the person doesn't know how to coach, even though they're the boss. And they leave frustrated. And so what Sheila Heen in her book talks about is how every feedback, you got to start with a firm. You got to affirm. What did, what did you see? Who, who in your life is affirming your unique sound? And they know it. They know your sound. And who in your life have you given permission to say, here's how I can coach you to actually embody your sound a little bit better. And you're actually going, I've got the required humility to receive that because I trust you. And not just receive it and hear it, but actually put it into practice. Practice. We're talking about practice, as Alan Iverson once said. And who have you given permission to to actually evaluate? Yeah, that that doctrine. Uh, B. Give it an eight. I think you kind of kind of uh, missed a couple verses, or I feel like you weren't totally clear to to walking with contextual integrity. Or the storytelling, man, that 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 was a little too long for the the payoff. It just it just wasn't 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 fully there. You know what I mean? It, it, you just need those people who can give that. So if you want to have the required humility to embody First Timothy four, to devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and teaching and preaching, to not neglect your gift and calling to be diligent in these matters and to give yourself fully over to this craft, then you're going to have to showcase consistent development, consistent coaching, and consistent feedback. And here's the truth. The easiest thing for you to do is get distracted and say, I just need to grow as a leader. I need to grow as an organizational leader. I need to be a better manager. I need to be a better builder. I need to be a better visionary, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that you don't need to grow in that area, but it in many ways is a distraction. And if you're honest, you know it. You know it. So let's go to the character piece. What, what actually prevents you from really wanting to devote to not neglect, to be diligent, and to manifest this required humility, to give yourself fully to the spiritual gift that God has entrusted to you. What what really is that about? And until you can actually face that resistance, I think you'll be looking for shortcuts. And you'll be looking for ways and little escapes and little moments to kind of feed off the people or please the people. And none of that is actually maximizing your gift. And so 
I'd love for you to think about that. Because can you imagine the thousands of thousands of people who are listening to this podcast, we could all just like stack hands and say, hey, here's what I know to be true. I, I, I can't really jump into this right now. I mean, like, but you know what? This fall, I'm going to work on consistent development. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, to, I'm, I'm choosing to have the humility required to maximize my gift. I am choosing to embody a level of consistency that I've never embodied before. Consistent development, consistent coaching, consistent feedback. So what's your play? What's your plan? How are you going to do it? And maybe this is a, a conversation you and your executive team or you and your spouse or you and a couple of staff members or you and your board. Maybe, maybe you just got to send them this podcast and say, hey, um, I agree with what Paul was saying to Timothy. And I, I, I need this. And can we carve some funds out of the budget for 2023? Can we actually, and, and honestly, maybe you have to put your own skin in the game and say, I'm going I'm to add, add a, little, a little bit of funds to this to actually do this. Because if you could grow, what might that mean for your people, your congregation and what God might do? My friends, this is all I long for is that you would have the humility required that we'd be the kind of people who devoted, not neglected. We were diligent, gave ourselves fully to this craft that God has entrusted to us. And that we were the kind of people that could preach because we understood it was a privilege. It was a gift. We're not doing it to try and get something from the people. We're doing it as a response to the goodness and grace of what God has entrusted to us through son, through spirit, the redemption, the restoration, through all the things we get to learn. So with that, my friends, if I can ever serve you, please reach out, steve at stevebryancarter.com. If you want to learn more about Food for the Hungry, go to fh.org. They're an amazing supporter of this podcast. Preaching today, hey, that's, that's a way of consistent development. You can even go to order PT now slash cc30 and they'll give you 30 percent off right now um, off their monthly rate we've got some amazing development opportunities for our members or you can look at joining a cohort the ascentleader.org we have got cohorts for church planners and cohorts for transition if you've been handed the baton uh and you're stepping into a new form of leadership or for preachers and, and we love 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 to help you grow but here's where it lands do you have the required humility to maximize your gift it's on you. It's on you. And I choose to believe you do. So who do you need to ask to help you get the funds, the time, the resources, whatever you need to be able to put that into practice? My friends, let's be those kinds of people. Let's have that required humility and see what God does. Much love, grace, and peace. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.